0: So listen, I don't want to lead the witness too much. I mean that's sort of my shtick. That's what I do. But uh mm-hmm. why don't you just tell me? Just just do some this is the Rorschach test. I don't have it's not visual, so I can't show you some diagrams, but just just tell me stream of conscious, and then we'll get into some more uh uh intellectual uh, intellectually sound stuff. So enterprise architect, what what's your reaction?
1: Uh I suppose it's kind of a visceral reaction, just based off of my experiences, um, both working with enterprise architecture and actually being a part of enterprise architecture. Um, to me, it's maybe a term that we need to freshen up a little mm. bit <laughs> to avoid uh, some of those knee-jerk uh, emotional reactions that, that I think a lot of uh, uh, a lot of folks have to that phrase. So. I guess visceral reaction is kind of, you know, centralized IT, command and control, heavy duty, you know, portfolio management of technologies and applications and solutions, Mm -hmm. Um, more of a governance mechanism rather than, I guess, what I would like to see it become, which would be a mechanism for uh, teaching, coaching, guiding uh, enterprises into maybe, you know, greener pastures with some of the approaches that we have available today.
0: Yeah, no, I I think, I think, I think you've hit on all the stuff there, right? Like we'll have to, we'll have to use that to detail out stuff. It's good. It's good agenda for the discussion, an arc. If you imagine a 250 page, 300 page book, right? I think you just described the arc of it right there. And, and to, to, to run to the conclusion, I think, you know, so, so I've been looking around at, uh, uh, my ongoing project here is to figure out what, uh, I'll try not to disclaim too many cheesy terms. Let's just let's just run with the cheesy terms, right? Like, so what? What so, is what is a cloud native architect or a Dev? I mean, a DevOps enterprise architect, or to put it another way, if you're doing sort of like maximal DevOps, and you know, I I generally when I say the word cloud native, I think of that as the uh, the superset of DevOps. And a large part of figuring out what an enterprise architect does is defining what that superset stuff is. But like, if you've got like a DevOps Right. What do they call it in the literature, culture, organization in place? Like, what do the enterprise architects do? And uh, I get this question a lot. Right. And it's easy to theorize about it. And, I, and I, think, I think what you ended up with is the most helpful and hopeful <laughs> answer that would be good uh-huh. to shoot for, right? <laughs> Which is, in order to do all of this stuff, uh, this transformation, we need, you know, it's right there in the word. We need to change. And uh, it seems right. like enterprise architects uh, should be part of it, and then working backwards, uh, you know, it's sort of like and and and, this, this, and then and this will get us back to talking about like your, uh, your views on the bad part of enterprise architecture, right? Is it seems like now what enterprise architects do and I would say this is only half straw person is uh, governance. And what does governance mean, right? It's it's not just because we're uh, Americans living in the central time zone that we think poorly of governance. I think everyone does. You can you can read you can read the coverage of uh, you know the the NIH from the Register and other people to see that people don't like governance. But it's just like in general, governance is not about doing new things. It's about doing the same thing over and over again. In as safe and baroque and costly as a way possible. Maybe mm. not costly. That's the negative view of it. But anyhow, there, there's my there's my post yeah. leading the
1: witness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of it has to do with minimizing deviations from whatever we or they define as as the norm, right? So I think to your point, right? Like it's it's sort of um, contradicts almost everything that I think a a you know neoclassical DevOps type person might want to get out of you know their experience as an engineer or an architect or you know as an individual contributor is this idea of um i want to minimize change versus figure out how to support change yeah
0: exactly so so uh so so introduce yourself briefly and give give some credentials for this topic right like you've got an interesting set of uh (laughs) primary sources to draw upon for for this
1: yeah, sure. So again, Matt Walburn. Um, I'm currently a uh, principal transformation consultant with AWS. Um, although I'll caveat that all of the views expressed from this point forward are uh, definitely my own and aren't intended to represent <laughs> <That's right. laughs> my employer. Um, so let's just, so just get that out of the way right, right away. Um, so yeah, I've been with AWS for a while. Prior to that, I worked at Pivotal Software. Um, where I did uh, similar consulting, um, helping organizations move from kind of traditional siloed waterfall delivery type organizations to DevOps and microservices, Nirvana. Um, and prior to that, I actually worked for Target, um, the large, you know, big box retailer based out of Minneapolis. And led a lot of their work in uh, the DevOps and transformation and uh, cloud migration space.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and then also, also, I mean, I so, I, met, I met you at Pivotal. People could reverse engineer that, but I think I think another thing, uh, we'll have to put a link to it, <laughs> is is uh, you you did some good uh, some good collaboration on on one of the uh, the papers we have about building a platform, right? Like building a cloud platform. Now, yeah. obvious obviously, being from Pivotal. Our end goal is to make you think that instead you should buy your platform from us, right? Which which the paper does valiantly. But like if if, if you care to, you can kind of strip away that uh, call to action, as they say. And it does show a – it's not necessarily – well, it, it's part of enterprise architecture. But it shows a method, method – what's the, not methodological? A methodical way of thinking through if I have these goals uh, sort of strategically, like what kind of platform would I put in place Um, and so that's, that's a, that's a, I mean, that was a good, good piece of work y'all did. And it's an interesting sort of thing to look at. And I think, I think, um, eventually when I figure out what cloud native enterprise architecture is like that kind of platformy work is a huge, it's, it's, it's like kind of, I don't know, I don't know. Tell me if you think this is true, but I think, I think that's sort of some of the, uh, resulting work that an enterprise architect would sort of guide the organization towards. Right. In the same way that in the past for, better or worse in the past, in the present, like an EA would say, like, we should use an ESB, <laughs> right? Like, like there seems to be a lot of right. sort of tops down saying this is the kind of platform we would use to achieve whatever goals we've set out.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would agree. I think, I mean, to your point, I don't exactly know what a cloud native enterprise architect is either. Um, <laughs> so we'll explore that a little bit. Um, but would definitely agree that I think no matter what the answer book uh, ends up saying that uh, platforms that enable, you know, the developers in the business to move faster with less undifferentiated, you know, heavy lifting and duplicative work. It's I think obviously part of the solution.
0: So, so you, you listed a bunch of things uh, that, that an EA would do. Like let's, let's delve into those. I mean, what if, if you, if someone was like, Hey man, I want to pay you like half a million dollars a year. Plus some awesome equity. And I want you to come <laughs> to, uh, let's call it, let's call it, yeah. uh, since you're, fam- well, we'll figure out what type of business it is as we talk. You can define that, but I want you to come work at Acme, right? And you're going to be mm-hmm. the head of enterprise architecture, right? Like we're, we're just like, we're just a few bad martini lunches away from being a Circuit City or a Blockbuster, right? And so the board has authorized that we're just going to kind of like, we're going to bring in new people. And we're just gonna we're gonna give them like that kind of like Andy Zitney license to just like go crazy, right? And and I mean that in a good way. And so now you we're gonna give you an offer you can't refuse to be the enterprise architect. So like you know you, you get all jazzed. Probably like any good person, you go on a uh, a month long vacation before you take the job, right? Maybe you uh, you finally catch up on some Martin Fowler books. You read you read that DevOps handbook. Right. You're just catching up on things <laughs> and maybe even go to a conference that you had previously scheduled. You're kind of floating about. And then it's it's uh, it's Monday. Right. What 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 do you what what's going on in your
1: head? What are you going to start doing? What's happening? I mean, I think the first thing that I do in any scenario like that is really try to understand the current context and the current mindset of both, you know, the IT organization as well as, you know, the customer whoever that may be. Right. Um, whether that's the business or, um, you know, actual customers that are somehow consuming it services. Uh-huh. Right. So really trying to understand like, well, like where are they starting from, um, to make sure that I'm being you know respectful and inclusive of whatever has happened to date. Um, so I think that's obviously a, a great place to start. Um,
0: so, so you have sort of like a a, from there, I guess a baseline, I if you will. And, and just, just to, just to kind of like, you know, uh, bullet out what you're saying and maybe this will be annoying. We'll find out, but like the baseline, the baseline is basically like, what is the business, right? How, and, and, and we'll, we'll make it a business, not a nonprofit or a government thing, right? Like the point of any business, as far as I can tell is to make money, (laughs) right? And so how is it? that this company translates whatever it does into making money. What's the business, right? Who are the customers? But then right. you also added uh, an interesting other part, which which is internally, in order to service this business, who are the internal users and customers and, and what do they need to do? And then and then I think as you alluded to, the, the next step after that is sort of like, so in the IT department, like what
1: are we doing, <laughs> right? Like how, how are things set up? <laughs> Right, right. And I guess even before we get into, like, how are things set up within IT, um, and I think this is kind of hiding behind the the bullets you just listed out, is I really want to know, um, and it's an overloaded term, but I'll use it anyways, like, what is, what is the operating model between, you know, new ideas getting generated in the business, ideas getting funded, and then ideas then translating into, you know, software or other solutions being built by IT. Mm -hmm. Um, And what does that process look like? What what does that overall value stream and operating model look like to get that idea out of the developer's head and then ultimately into the hands of their customer, Mm. right? And so I think there's just a lot of, there's a lot of processes from um, you know product development in the business, from finance and how things are funded, from HR and how you know resources are staffed and allocated to projects, and then ultimately then the internal IT processes as into um, how they actually then deliver that work once it's been funded and staffed. Yeah. yeah. Right. So those are the things that I would want to look at first, um, and then basically be trying to put. Um, you know that vision, that strategy, that roadmap of okay, this is what you're doing today, and you've got me in here because, um, by some admission, even if it's not much, it's not working for you.
0: Right, right, right. I mean, I mean, let's say, so let's let's let's, let's say out. in in the in the press releases, they're like, we are excited to begin our new growth initiative for transformation into Bitcoin AI Watson harvesting, right? Like they just got a word salad of awesomeness, and then, but behind closed doors, mm-hmm. right? You've, you've met with the CEO and the CIO and they're like, shit is fucked, right? Like, you gotta fix it. (laughs) (laughs) So there, there's, there's no internal illusion about like things are not, things are not operating well, right? Uh, and, and I mean, I guess I'm kind of setting up a bit of a thing here. Like, there's a question of what a cloud, cloud native enterprise architect would do in a functioning company. But let's assume that if you have a functioning EA function, why would you change, right? Like, uh, if it's doing everything you want, then there's no reason to even have this quandary. So, the, let, let me let me bullet point, or you know, uh, whatever the word is, parentheticalize here now. And this is this is a, one of the 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 what would you call it? Uh, er theories, the foundational theories that I'm starting to evolve of what a cloud native enterprise architect is, and that is, it only has to do with custom written software, right? Like you said, the word developer a couple of times, right? So a cloud native enterprise architect would not care about your bring your own device initiative only in so much as that might be a UI or an interface to pump their software through. And they probably don't really care about your desktop management and they probably don't care. They might start to care about your uh, data warehousing business intelligence stuff, right? If they wrote custom software, they don't care about your ERP stuff, probably at the moment, all your off the shelf software. But anyways, so like do you think that good reduction down and obviously there's the footnotes of well you will care about them if you need to interact with them. <laughs> but right. but that that's kind of like a big chunk of IT that I think a cloud native right. enterprise architect clears off.
1: Um you know, I think it all is in the details of what we're saying cloud native is, right? And mm-hmm. I think obviously there's a lot of shades of gray uh in 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 that term um, I guess I'm thinking yeah to your point if if you're trying to do DevOps if you're trying to do agile if you're trying to do automation continuous delivery all these modern practices like no you're probably not applying those against your uh, legacy ERP or, or CRM type systems that said I do think um, you know whether you're you know cloud friendly or cloud native <clears throat> a lot of enterprises are looking to move all of those things to the cloud, right? Whether or not they're those, you know, high velocity systems of differentiation or the slower, you know, systems of record. Um, they still want to move all of that stuff out of their data centers because they don't want to run data centers anymore. Mm, yeah. Um, and so I think I think you have to tease it apart, right? I think there's this cloud native for all of your go fast stuff and then maybe just this cloud, cloud friendly or, you know, cloud uh, hosted model, that you have to be able to um, basically swing between and, and kind of dial, you know, up and down depending on the use case. Yeah,
0: yeah. All right, all right. So, so then, so let's delve into the first thing you said. So, uh, so, so you go home on Monday night. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you eat up there. Maybe you have a good hot dish. That's that's all I know, right? A Hot dish, right? <laughs> and uh, and uh, maybe 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 you have some kale. I don't know. And uh, and then and then you come in on Tuesday, and you're like, okay, job one. How's the business work? So, how do you figure out how the business works?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that is building relationships and actually talking to the business and figuring out um, what a lot of their processes look like. What are the what are the experiences that their customers um, are interacting with that are supported by IT? Right? Mm. And so, experience could be you know, a digital experience through a, um, you know, e-commerce or, or mobile device. It could be, you know, an operations or a call center experience. It could, it could be any number of experiences and touch points with the customer, regardless of whether or not they fall into, you know, that whole digital experience thing that we, that we like to talk about. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that, that's primarily where I start is, is trying to figure out what are the things that are actually powered by it, um, that the business is, is consuming. Um, and then try to figure out again, back to, back to that operating model, um, statement I made earlier, how successful or not successful are those products, um, supporting their actual business objectives.
0: Yeah. So it's sort of like a working backwards to use, to use, uh, comically ancient enterprise architecture. Uh, what, what do you, what do you call when you find caveman drawings in the cave? are those uh, pictographs or something but you know and in in, right. the, in UML land you've got that stick figure right the end user right. and exactly. then the, and then the stick figure typically has a line going to a box right and so that that's that's sort of like the first thing you want to hunt out is like who are the stick figures and what is the line and then maybe we'll start looking at this mm-hmm. box to figure out what's going on cuz i think i think this is I mean, I don't. I don't like all things. I mean, I, if I think about my own understanding of the history of computers, it starts basically with like targeting missiles and trying to decrypt stuff, and then uh, doing payroll, and and I and I guess the mission to the moon. You know, cataloging what all the things are, and then there's uh, there's this phase that's like there's a bunch of stuff written about like uh, you know human computer interactions, and then and then. Microsoft, I mean, Apple and Microsoft like steal the, they don't steal, they evolve the uh, Xerox Park stuff. And then you got UIs and so forth and so on. Right. And, and, but it seems like only recently there's been this like focusing back on the stick figure on like what the humans mm-hmm. are doing. And uh right. so, so that, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I'm just kind of rounding up what you're saying. Like, it seems like, it seems like that shift in thinking becomes an important thing for for an enterprise architect to start doing is to really think about the uh, the 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 workflows <laughs> that not not even the workflows, but right. like, what are the people doing and what do the people need? And and you could round that up with the simple word design, right?
1: Design means a lot of things, well, right. But. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, that it's almost like the enterprise, you know, architecture equivalent of, like, user-centered design or, you know, design thinking, yeah. right, Is to, and, and, you know, maybe it's an old term, but but we still use the term working backwards from the customer, like, extensively <laughs> at Amazon and AWS, but I think that's really the right approach, right, because you figure out, like, what is the actual outcome in terms of company generating money, right, like, that's yeah. the ultimate outcome, but, um, there's a lot of other, you know, outcomes that need to need to exist to support that ultimate outcome. Um, and then working backwards from there into, you know, what are the various levels of either user experience or API or master data or all these legacy systems that ultimately connect um, the stick figure and the human to the technology that IT is delivering. Yeah. Right. So I really try to draw out that that end to end picture, um, as one of those f- first steps towards at least mapping out the current state.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think, I mean, just to opine a little bit on my own, uh, and t- I'll just start doing that. Uh, it seems like, it seems like what you're going over is a huge sort of like philosophic underpinning of like agile, right. And, and, and an agile, especially in like overly orthodoxed, like agile which is to say sort of like uh if you if you if you're a what do they call the uh, conservative supreme court people they're textualists or something if you're like a textualist for like xp and scrum it's basically Mm -hmm. like developers will do they will never they will only do things that directly benefit the user and i'm I'm kind of reading into it but it's sort of like as as a counter example um you have to go through hoops to argue that you should update the JVM, (laughs) right? Like, like, it's sort of like, what value is updating the JVM to the end user? And then you're sort of like, well, blah, 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 blah. Right. Like, I mean, mean, there's certain things of like, you know, uh, what value are the tires and the parts you you select in your your car and stuff like that, which ultimately sometimes there's not a value. Like if I'm I'm guessing whether or not you have it, uh, whatever a Hemi is in your truck, it doesn't really matter. It's just it's just sort of like fun branding stuff, right? Or or, or whatever. Uh, anyways, that's a bad analogy. I'm trying to stop making analogies to the real world about software and follow the practice that softwa- <laughs> software is like software. Anyhow, but and 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 then I think I think I think another interesting thing, you, and I mentioned this because you see it pop up all the time, and I'm trying to figure out if it's a um, a required tool for like cloud native enterprise architecture is similar, like you you do sort of like value stream mapping as sort of like, let's only focus on what we need to actually do to satisfy the customer, the outcome that we want. Um, and so mm. I don't know, I, I mean, I think, I think, based on what what we're saying here, that is a pretty big foundational shift in what EAs should care about is, what is the outcome with an end user that you want? And uh, I'll, I'll wrap up my monologuing here with this. But like, I think, when I thre- read, read through and just kind of remember anecdotally a lot of the EA lore from the last 20 years, a huge amount of it is about optimizing the business running. And there's not as much emphasis on optimizing the customer experience,
1: if, if you will. I would agree that I think up until the last few years, I think the job of EA has been to optimize, and I'll rephrase it a, a little bit differently, is to you know, achieve the business outcomes but optimized on cost. Right. So optimizing for cost and efficiency rather than optimizing for, uh, what I would say like throughput and responsiveness. Yeah, yeah, Right. So, so I delivered the business outcome, but since I was optimizing on cost, it took, you know, maybe four times or five times as long as it should have. And maybe quality wasn't where I wanted it to be. Yeah. yeah. So, Yeah, yeah. And,
0: and, and I think, I think across all of, you know, the, the, the career that you went over, right. This, this, um, and, and, and it's always annoying to like state this stuff because, because you and I and, and, and other people in our, our, our position see this stuff ad nauseum, right? Like, it's the equivalent of like your doctor telling you that you should eat more fruits and vegetables. You're like, I, I get it, man, right? Like, that's, that's the way things are. But man or woman, I guess, uh, you know, I don't know. Is, is, is dude discriminatory or has that become non, what do they say, binary? I don't know. Anyways, uh, it's sort don't of like, risk it. yeah, there you go. Is it's sort of like, uh your your business is likely not going to remain static so you're going to need to come up with new ways of doing your existing business and new businesses and and therefore in a static business where what you're doing really never changes then you're just basically optimizing and growing your market and so that view of what an ea does is pretty good it's sort of like I sort of figure out two things. One is like, how do I pull more costs out of this by doing centralization and shared resources, and also ensure that the wheels don't come up, right? Like my, uh the the number one strategy for every company that's that's existing is what I like to call the don't fuck it up strategy, right? Like don't tank your current business. But then the second thing in this static view that an EA has to do is like, as we expand geographically into other markets, how do we deploy the IT to it, right? Like, they don't figure out new widgets and stuff like that. But Anyhow, the whole point of being more customer centric, and you could get those things by being customer centric as well, but I think, I think customer centricity is extremely valuable, necessary, if you will, to, uh, to businesses that actually need to do new things there. So, uh, so as not to stump you with another question that ends in a period, uh, like I did earlier. Uh, now, now you mentioned, you mentioned one thing that I think, I think, and then maybe we'll get off the business side and into the technical stuff. Uh, like, like you use the word like outcomes many times, which, which in, in, right. in business speak is a fascinating term, <laughs> right? Outcomes are, are a good term. And, and I think, I think there's some tangential collection. This is, this is an even more of a landmine term, right? Uh, is, is like strategy, right? And so, so we've got these, let, let's, let's talk briefly, at least your thoughts, if you have any, about what, a, what an EA mm-hmm. does associated with these three terms, right? So we had outcomes, right? And then there's the there's like strategy which which it'd be interesting to see what you think of that what you think what you think that is and then there's another term that that we kind of talked about earlier is just sort of like uh what did you call it the operating model or how the business functions right
1: mm-hmm. and
0: and these are kind of all the same thing I don't know which ones are, are are uh tails versus dogs and stuff but like so let's start with outcomes like when you're talking about outcomes like one what does that mean and two like what does an ea do with that
1: like what How's that an input to what their job is right um, I mean I think you might we might need to get like specific about an example to talk about outcomes um, but I guess I don't know let's let's use like e-commerce for lack yeah. of a better a better example right The outcome is I want to be able to increase revenue by selling stuff on the internet <laughs> right mm-hmm. yeah so that's like that's like one outcome um, so a second level outcome would be well, hey, I want to be able to do that through a web browser or I want to do that through a mobile phone or maybe I even want to do that via some third-party partner where I'm actually selling stuff on their website, right? And so you start kind of trying to figure out, okay, what are these different levels of outcomes, right? And so I just went from one to three. Um, I think you could start to think of those three as your top level, um, almost like the top level of your architecture, but also like... Um, a set of products or a set of outcomes, right? I, I'll kind of use the, the two words interchange, interchangeably. And then I think from there, you start decomposing even further, right? So if I'm e-commerce, um, regardless of where the customer is interacting with me, you know, whether it's, you know, a web browser, a phone, or, or the third-party site, like I mentioned, like you still know that, well, hey, I need to be able to show the customer my products. So I need a catalog, Right. So that could be an outcome. I need uh, the customer to be able to easily discover and find my the products that they're looking for. So that that outcome might manifest itself as some kind of a search capability. Um, And, you know, you can decompose any 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 website that you're looking at today into these different outcomes. Right. That all manifest and integrate together to produce the higher order outcome of selling stuff on the Internet. Um, <clears throat> so I think I like to look for those. Like, kind of tying back to the to the earlier statement. Um, <clears throat> when I'm first coming in, I want to really understand what are all those experiences. Um, and those could be, you know, human to machine experiences, like I'm talking about, or they could be machine to machine experiences in the form of APIs and and other data services. Right, so really, just trying to understand the full landscape of experiences, and then start decomposing those things into their smaller business outcomes, um, and ultimately arriving at um, what almost looks like almost like an encyclopedia or, or a taxonomy is the word that I, I like to use for describing how do all of these pieces and parts actually connect into those business outcomes.
0: Now, now, now to that uh, to that taxonomy thing. Now, apparently, speaking of e-commerce, I have the. Uh... The Togaf 9.1 spec arriving today, so I'll, <laughs> I'll have one way of doing. It, I think I don't really know what Togaf okay. is, but that's why I. Uh, you know,
1: I've I've heard of it. I think I think I must have been a enterprise architecture flunky because. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. just as a to- Togaf is a thing.
0: As a total aside, <laughs> like I, w- I was, I was lucky back when I was at BMC, and this must have been in when the, when this kind of stuff happened in 2004 or so. One of the documentation people or tech pubs, as I said, they lent me the, uh, uh, man, I, I have it back here, but they lent me one of the core books on ITIL, or I-T-I-L, ITIL and it was, I think, the service delivery book. And, and I read it cover to cover, and I feel, like, I feel like having that knowledge has made me hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years, <laughs> like, like when I was an analyst and thinking about strategy. And, and the whole point, right. rather than being snarky, is sort of like, so- I mean, TOGAF, toga, whatever you say, TOGAF is one of these things that people who revile EAs will like mention. And I'm always kind of like bimodal IT. My theory is they've never actually read it. And so I think, I mean, it's always good to know your enemy, so to speak, right? Or or to know your potential ally. Like, are they a Hitler or a Stalin? You don't really know what uh, what you're going to do with them. So uh, it'll be interesting to read that uh, and, and see what's to it. So anyways... Um, obviously you don't use togaf cuz you didn't tell me about that but like how do you, how would you like document this taxonomy like what what do you do like mm-hmm. do you have like a bunch of uh, post it notes on a whiteboard somewhere or are you going to like whip out visio or uh, wh- what are you going to do uh,
1: as far as tooling goes i mean yeah, yeah generally i would generally sit in the room with it and the business and actually walk their experience backwards right so I, I categorize things into, you know, things like, hey, what what business are you in? What business unit within that business? Within that business, who is the customer? Right? Is is the customer outside the company? Is it inside the company? Is it a third party partner? Um, what's the entry point into your company from an experience perspective? And then once we actually kind of get anchored in those initial things. Really start dissecting. Okay, so if this is your experience, and I'll keep leaning on e-commerce, like what are all of the other outcomes that, or what are the other activities that that customer needs to successfully be able to perform, right? Um, and I don't know if I'm answering your question, but no, yeah, no, no, I mean, totally. It, it, it's it's a lot of interview. It's a lot of whiteboarding. It's a lot of uh, uh, what's the term? Uh, we made this up a few years ago. Bordio. So instead of visio, it's bordio, right? So whiteboard. <laughs> whiteboard uh visio drawings yeah yeah Um, yeah Yeah. so it's i mean it's it's a pretty organic and creative process at first
0: now now Um, now just to interrupt you i i feel like if i was doing some sort of academic study of this right um and tell me tell me if you agree with these selections or ones you would add as well i feel like there's sort of like four mindsets let's see if i remember all of them that i would go over i would i would start with a classic michael porter I don't know if you've ever seen this, but he's got this this from the early '70s. Like this, uh, you got the five forces, and I forget what they are: sure. customers, suppliers, competitors, and God knows yeah. what, and
1: Sub- substitutes, compl- yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And 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 then and then that translates into uh, a way of diagramming your strategy, and it's basically this big, uh, this big triangle. Not triangle; it's a big rectangle with with a sideways triangle on the end. I don't know what you call that shape. It's, it's like, it's like a really blunt tipped arrow. <laughs> and, and in that you model out how all these forces kind of work. And it sort of gives you an idea, at least from a strategy perspective of mm-hmm. what your business is. So that's, that's sort of like, I remember reading this great book, The Lords of Strategy. And that was one of the breakthroughs in thinking about how a business operates that you could actually document. Mm-hmm. it. And then I think fast forwarding way to the future, you've got, remember that book that's like, uh, like sketching out business models i forget what it is but it was really popular about four or five years ago and it was like this toolkit of a book and it had a template and you would see all the startups would have to do this and they would sketch out what their business model was right i'll have to look up mm. what that book book is and so you got that and then and then you've also got uh value stream maps which which so far seem right. like one of the best things i mean you basically just describe well you didn't describe all of a value stream map but you described a hue the input to it right? A huge part of the input to it. And then I don't really yet know what a worldly map is, but I think it's somehow associated with all of that. <laughs> right. And then, and then you might just have like, whatever the <laughs> right. fuck diagrams I make up to draw on the whiteboard. Right. Like a lot of the I've been in a lot of these sessions and a lot of the times you just got to agree on a bunch of like your, your Bordeaux diagrams to do things in.
1: Right. But I think I mean a lot of the point of doing all this and, and depending on the size of the business or the portfolio you're, you're trying to look at it can <laughs> it takes a lot of these conversations um, but you're really trying to look at least at least what I'm trying to look for is number one, how do all of these components align with whatever the outcomes are that the business is trying to reach yes. So that's number one and then number two, is how much stuff have I duplicated across my various, you know, lines of business, um, business teams, and IT teams? Because um, what I've seen is that there's a lot, a lot of duplication and a lot of rework going on, um, <clears throat> and looking to rationalize those two things against what. I'm assuming, since since the uh, the enterprise hired the the expensive, you know, I forget what you said, the EA or CTO to come in, is what does that future vision look like, right? So moving from, you know, the heavily siloed, whether it's IT or or business units, to much more collaborative, transparent, end to end type uh, working models and operating models, mm-hmm. to also trying to. Find, how do I actually get um, those business ideas through the the IT delivery or software factory more quickly?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. So, so one one of the so so talk about like the idea of finding like duplicate things. Like, I mean, I mean, can you say a bunch of obvious stuff just to get it out there? But like, why is that why is that bad or good? Like, like what do you do with duplicate? Let's call them services, right like a service being like a thing i t right. does to make sure the bus- to help the business right like what are you what are you what are you doing when you're looking around for duplicate services?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess so if we anchor towards this idea of we want business ideas to be able to be put into production faster, right so really um, increasing time to value and shortening the uh, cycle time for how long it takes to deliver something. I think a big piece of that is, um, I'm trying to choose the right word, I'm going to say democratizing, for lack of a better word, your internal data and your internal integrations to that data, right? And so you're trying to create these efficiencies where um, you have well-known data sources, you have well-known interfaces and ways to connect to that data so that you're not burdened with either recreating that data or recreating the interfaces or just doing unnatural things to arrive at, again, to use the word outcome, um, to arrive at, at these, these outcomes that are um, reusable and kind of ubiquitous throughout, throughout the enterprise. Mm. Right. And so that's it's not it's not so much like an IT service that I'm talking about dupli- duplication of, although that that is also there. It's more about what are these what are these um, sources of truth, systems of record, um, you know, repositories of master data, et cetera, that we want to figure out how to open up and make accessible to everybody so that you don't have people recreating the wheel.
0: Mm. OK, OK. Yeah. Oh, there's a, there's a lot. to. I'm glad I asked. There's a lot to pull apart there. Right. Because so. So one, uh, it's 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 uh, I don't I always forget if notable is the right word, but it's interesting, as my mother would say, that you didn't mention anything about cost reduction. (laughs) Right. Like that if you have if you have duplicate things then you're paying too much about it, which which isn't to say that's not a concern, but uh, that's that's where my mind goes to when I think of ferreting out duplication. Um, and then the second thing, and, and you'd mentioned this before I asked you about duplication and and I I see, I see exactly how this maps now is like, um, if the goal, you know, we want fast cycle times or whatever, a way of achieving fast cycle times is cutting down as Jeff Bezos would funnily say, right? Like anytime you have to communicate, it's a failure, (laughs) right? Like, like essentially anytime the time it takes you to understand something, um, and t- the time it takes you to research and comprehend things. Like if you, let me put it, let me put it another way. If you don't already know something, it's going to cost you a lot to figure it out. <laughs> right. And, and so you want to make figuring out these data sources and finding them easier. And duplication is one of the leading causes of confusion, I guess, and therefore not having uh fast access and transparency and things like that. So, it's not only that you would want one did you say mdm i haven't heard that in years. that's great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyways uh, like like you want a, you want to have a and never mind let, let's talk in logical terms, which is to say from the perspective of someone consuming it, it seems like this, never mind what the physical implementation is, right uh, but in a logical way, you want to have a centralized pool of data, right. And you want to have as as few, if not one way of knowing what that data is and how to access it. And therefore, that eliminates that comprehension time, that time it takes to understand and allows uh, the individual teams or people using it to, uh, it, it, it just allows them to act faster. And, and so duplication can, can cause a slowdown in the cycle of comprehension, which means it takes you longer to get a product out the door and understand things. You think that's a fair blowing up summary
1: well, of, of what you're saying? Well, that, and it prevents you from, um, I mean, if these things are well-defined and they're published and people know about them and they don't have to spend a lot of cycles, like figuring out how they work, um, they also then don't have to, (laughs) in the absence of having any of that knowledge, have to recreate the same, basically the same solution themselves. Right. Right. So I think rationalizing, like like reducing the amount of, of duplication then also enables, um, it enables seems to focus on the things that are different and differentiating and val- and value added rather than continuing to, you know, make another copy of, you know, the customer data or purchase right. history database. Right?
0: Yeah, and, and, and then and then and then I, there's another thing implicit in there is like uh if you got a bunch of duplicate sources, you're inevitably gonna have conflicts and things that contradict each other. And so uh, Exactly. That's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Well, we're going to run out of time here. Hopefully, hopefully it will come back and we can talk about, we'll get to the technology part, but maybe, maybe we can make this, this, uh, I'll just assume the answer is yes, but maybe we can make this part. The, uh, we'll call it the, uh, the, the interface, the, ooh, we'll use network terminal. Is this networking? What do they call it? Upstream and downstream? I forget,
1: but you, you, you got, you got the, like North South.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is the North <laughs> interface to the business. And then maybe next right. time, if you deign to come, come talk with me again, we'll have the, uh, the south down to the, uh, the technology uh, sort of thing. And then maybe we'll have a third sure. episode about in, in the long, quiet nights of the enterprise architect, what is it like to talk to themselves? How do they counsel themselves to do okay? Uh, anyways, uh, so, th- so then let's wrap up with like, so defining this future vision, what, what's that all about?
1: So, what I talk to customers a lot about a lot is moving away from thinking about the work that they do um, as individual activities, right? So, I uh, provision servers, I test software, I write business requirements, I you know do all of these little individual activities that on their own pretty much provide no value. Um, right. And moving from the model of being, well, well, right. They, they only have value if they're done together and if they're done together in a meaningful way. Um, and so I guess the, the short version of this and kind of mapping to, uh, the, uh, northbound API into our business is figuring out what are the collections of activities that make sense to group together in the context of, um, a product team, right? So, so, that's my solution for it. how do you ensure that you're actually delivering and anchoring against a business outcome? Well, it starts with from organizing your people around activities to organizing them around those outcomes. And the way that that manifests itself with technology is by creating technology products. Mm.
0: So, so a lo- a large part of the vision is, is you could also call it the, uh, so what are we going to do now?
1: <laughs>
0: right? <clears throat> like, like just like how, <laughs> wh- what does this mean as far as like how we're going to organize people I mean, I guess this is the part that starts going towards to use our vernacular, the southbound interface, right? Is like so. How, to some extent, you probably talk with the business about things they need to do and like how they should start changing what they do. But then also you're you're starting to think about what are we going to do in IT to like meet these needs, and and what is exactly what what are things going to look like, and what does this mean as for and and I think. The people who complain to us about enterprise architecture, I think this is where they start to think that we're stealing their lunch and we're just like, you know, pissing in their soup or whatever. Right. Like, right. They start to get really touchy about this. <laughs> and and this is where I guess, you know, this is where you get all these things like the – uh uh having a 3 year plan is meaningless right and and where people don't like the word vision right like how can you how can you have a future vision you need to have this iterative lean startup approach to stuff and if you set things in stone because everyone knows this vision is going to be taken to finance to set probably like a 12 month finance plan and then and then that's a constraint mm-hmm. that you brought on um and then you're talking mm-hmm. about reorganizing things and essentially you're starting to think about what you're going to tell people to do <laughs> maybe right and then also technology selections and things like this but this becomes this is the start of the conflict around uh ea stuff but and tell me if tell me if this is wrong but i think i think to to a huge extent when you look northbound this is sort of like what makes the business feel comfortable (laughs) (laughs) right that like if you can produce this uh you sort of know what you're doing and you have a plan. You can start to become reliable or it seems like you will become reliable. You're making you're making a promise of of what you're going to do and then people mm-hmm. can go off and start start to do things.
1: I I think that's true. Um I guess the and we'll get into this next time I guess, but um I think it's supremely important that as you start pivoting to, you know, whether we call this a a a cloud native operating model or an uh, digital operating model or product operating model, you know, pick your buzzword. I think um, when we talk about these product teams, um, the business is implicitly part of those, those product teams, right? They're not separate, right? They're not, they're not in the North. (laughs) They're not exclusively in the North API and it is exclusively in the South. There's, there's a blending of those things. Um, that needs to happen on a, on a nearly continuous basis in order to make sure that those products that these people are producing continue to meet the needs of the business and its customers. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and just to kind of cap it off, I mean, I think the role of, of the cloud native enterprise architect is to facilitate and enable the IT journey and the business journey to that operating model. Yeah,
0: yeah. Now, that makes sense. I, I think I think I think one way of summarizing that would be like one of your first tasks in the in the in the vision thing is sort of like figuring out how decoupled the business and IT should be, right? Which is like like what you just said is not very decoupled. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And and I think I would imagine in a lot of large organizations, uh the current answer is the opposite, right? Like the business will be very decoupled from IT. Um and to you to use another old trope, right? Like we're we're just gonna throw stuff at this point. The business would uh, throw the vision over the wall to IT and come back to them in six and twelve month increments, and, and see how they're doing. But that's mm-hmm. that's that's sort of like one of the first southboundy sorts of things you do is you tell the business that they're going to have to come a little bit south with you and uh, and sort of start to start to couple with IT more frequently. All right, well that's great. Well, this has been awesome. I uh, as, cool. as as always, uh, no need to worry about filling time. <laughs> <laughs> so so we'll we'll have to find a time for you to come back and and uh and and then and then we'll we'll mutually lead each other down the path of figuring this out but i think i think the next part that'll be interesting is is as we say the southbound stuff of like so what does this mean in in the it department you have anything uh you want to add before i wrap up here what uh what's what what's your twitter account or other uh other other details you want to give people if they want to oh, follow
1: up with sure you? yeah so i'm uh at twitter uh matt walburn on twitter um I don't know if I have any other super personal details to share, but uh, excited to keep this conversation going.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, you always have a a, a lot of good ideas based on uh, real-life experience about what's going on here. Well, as always, this has been the uh, Kote Show Variety Podcast where I put conversations like this and other things. If you're interested in... topics stuff like this and also some more wackier stuff every now and then i do an old uh, drunken retired podcast recording with my old our old friend charles if you remember that you just go to show. that's the kind of world we're living in now you got tlds of dot show you can't do an accent in the e just go to cote.show and uh, you can subscribe to it and pick through the other episodes whatever you like there you know if you want to uh, refer it to other people or uh, put it an itunes review or whatever that's great but really you should just tell me if you, if you like the show. And also, uh, if you've got any ideas about uh, cloud-native enterprise architecture, you know, pro or against or whatever, anything you want to send my way. I mean, this is my current uh, big project that I'll be working on for a while. So um, I'm interested in all sorts of content. And uh, thanks again for being on, Matt. And we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye.